0: Live, presented by Kaleida
1: Health. All right, welcome to training camp at St. John Fisher. Steve, your chair's in the crack of the sidewalk. I know. There we go. you got to be more ready than this. I
2: know, I know. Welcome
1: to One Bills Live. We are here at St. John Fisher. Practice one of training camp is in the books. And what a practice. Christian Benford is on the tally sheet with the first interception of camp in a red zone period. He uh, picked off Josh Allen. So he's off to a to a hot start, much like he was last year, Steve. So look at that. Already a headliner.
2: Would you look at that?
1: Stefan Diggs also addressed the media a short time ago. We will re-rack that and play it for you. He talked for 20 minutes, took any and all questions, I thought was very self-effacing, really I thought effectively explained where his frustrations lied at the end of last season and – to a certain extent, some of what he brought to the table in what he described as family matters. That's what he described as the issues that were discussed back in the spring, and he says it's all water under the bridge now and they're good to go. But I think Stephon Diggs is the kind of player, and I think you and I felt this about him back when everybody was losing their minds and ready to jump off bridges about what was going on between him, Josh Allen and the conversations that were had with Coach McDermott present as well. I think we, you and I, and correct me if I'm putting words in your mouth, feel that Stephon Diggs is such a fierce competitor who is so dedicated to winning that if there have to be hard conversations that have the potential to maybe even get a little uncomfortable, he's willing to have them if he knows coming out on the other side of them they're a better unit on offense. And I think that's some of what was at work here. And I thought he expressed himself very well in laying all that out for everybody to understand better. It's, and, and Sean McDermott alluded to it when he spoke to the media at the end of minicamp saying, we're all on the same page because we're all about winning. And that's where all of this came from. It came from a healthy place. The conversations probably weren't easy at times. Because Sean McDermott himself, Steve, said, I told I told Stefan, you know, don't worry about practice today, go simmer. But that's how yeah. much winning means then to asked,
2: him. They asked him if he was concerned. Sean said, yeah, I'm really concerned. Well, in retrospect, he wasn't really concerned about anything with Steph being in the right spot. He was just, he's always, he's concerned about Steph like he's concerned about all of his players. And that's what, what he meant. And then... That's all that was said, and he didn't get asked a follow-up question to clarify it, and everybody right. ran with whatever they could imagine. None of it was true. You and I sat here, and I told you I didn't think this was a, anything to be worried about, and it, it's not. And I, I've been through all this stuff in a locker room, and, and a lot of athletes out there have who have, you know, you've had like, <clears throat> camp, fight fights at training camp. But it's stuff way worse than this and it's fine. It's it's not something to worry about. This is a really close-knit group who are working toward a really difficult objective and it's it's hard everywhere in your relationships, on your on your teammates. You got to, you know, you got guys you love and respect who you got to have hard conversations with. It happens and that's what this all was with Steph Diggs and it doesn't mean he's unhappy with Buffalo, doesn't mean he hates Josh, doesn't mean Josh hates him or and he, he was great when he said, listen, he goes, I don't know the first thing about calling a game. I do not yeah, want somebody asked him. Yeah. Do you
1: want a bigger role in the offense? He goes, are you kidding me? I play wide receiver. Right. I, I don't have the first clue about the plays that get right. called in a game and why they're called. Right. I just execute my assignment.
2: That's right. And so that all that stuff going around about, you know, him not getting enough targets and all that. It's all. Come on. It's just relax. Yeah. Um, and he's, you know, and rightfully so. He's saying, "Listen, I'm all the stuff we were talking about. It's, it's not for everybody to hear. It's just between us, and we're going to keep it that way." And that's, yeah, that's the way it should be.
1: Yeah, we are going to be joined momentarily by Bill's general manager Brandon Bean to kick off training camp here. Real treat to have him to kick off our first show here at camp. He just addressed the media. He's going to be joining us uh, here shortly. But just to in summation. Uh, as he gets settled here, uh, Brandon's, Brandon's going to pull off the Chris Collinsworth slide. Uh, oh, you're going to have him come in the middle? Okay. That's, what I was told to do. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. That's fine. You're good. That's a Collinsworth slide. That was pretty good. Not bad. He's
2: ordered. That's, following these orders that's right. We nice. Welcome, it, welcome,
1: welcome. Get yourself hydrated. You go. know, we don't want you to
2: got all this cramp
1: up here a little world, birdie told me we you were uh, you were running at about a six minute mile pace this morning is there any accuracy to that you want to verify that for me or
3: i wasn't moving at a good clip or no I, I wasn't i was the only time i ran like that was when a car was coming i, I made i made a late decision to cross the street <laughs> playing street football or something uh, running a crossing pattern welcome
1: welcome uh, good to have you thanks for stopping by i know you just spent 15 minutes with the media so thanks for spending some time with us too um we're, where are you Where are you kind of coming down on this because you're you know you 're buttoning up roster things yesterday yeah I got to imagine
3: like the old scout in you just wants to get out on the field and watch these guys right yeah yeah, yeah you, the best part is when uh, you 're not paying attention to your phone you 're out there and you 're watching football yeah. and you 're watching these guys come together and it's, uh, you know this is you, you have the off season your work but it's it's voluntary the, everyone's here um, everyone 's working with the groups and you're starting to say all right, this is day one of of whatever art you're you're building, you know, you're, right. or you're painting, it's it's not going to look pretty. There was definitely some uh, some rough patches in right. practice today to be expected, but uh, uh, it'll it'll it should continue but to get
2: better. The good thing, it's the good and the bad about practice, though. If it's a if it's a rough patch for Josh and and the offense, it's actually a good patch for the defense, and you got guys playing well. And yes. um, and it's it's a give and take. I saw the two minute drill at the end of practice. They were doing the two minute, and the second offense got stopped. Yeah, and everybody's like, "Oh no, we didn't." And I was like, "No, no, your team won. You <laughs> yeah. still win." Defense, yeah. <laughs> you know, you yeah still the, <laughs> win. Everybody's a fan of the offense
3: in general, the fans. That, yeah, uh, but yeah, it's our yeah the the offense on the second group uh, took a couple steps back, a penalty, a sack, and uh, right to start the drive. They yeah, there
2: was like it was first and twenty three. I was like, "Ooh,
3: yeah." Out of about the the minus seven or six yeah. yard line, so it's a good point that the coaches will be able to point out the guys on. You know, you cannot have critical mistakes at that point. That, that was pretty much game set match because I think when we got to the minus seven, there was like thirty six seconds left with right. one timeout. You're, you're, and they, and what they do, they ran out of time around midfield. Yeah, that's right.
1: Just for some bookkeeping, so Naheem Hines goes on non-football injury list. Yes, and I mean, we were like, we felt terrible for the kid. I mean, my gosh, talk about this right before camp, it was horrible. Yeah. Um, but. I think fans have been asking us, and I think we have a pretty good handle on it, but just what the non-football injury list means for him going forward.
3: Yeah, it's just a – it's a it's a declaration of it, it happened not on the football field or not training in the the weight room or something like that, not a rehab thing. It happened. It's a non – exactly what it is, a yeah. non-football injury. And those can be various things. And so it's just categorized that from a contractual standpoint, um, you know, we'll – We'll stay internal on how we're going to handle all that. There's some various things you can do. But um, he'll be basically, if you're a fan, just think of it, he's on injury reserve Mm -hmm. for the season. We still have um, him under contract for for 2024. And so as we sit here today, hopefully he he has not had surgery yet. Hopefully he'll have a successful surgery. We can get that rehab process started. And hopefully, you know, this time next year
2: we're talking about him, you know, returning to the field right so in as day one kicks off what first of all what's number one on your to-do list for this training camp and what what struck you about today's
3: yeah I mean uh, we got some battles that that are gonna happen uh, we're just talking about it with the media over there whether it's corner uh, Mike linebacker uh, these you know the offensive line especially the, the interior guys uh, there's some guys that have obviously we we drafted um, you know the young man from Florida but you know we've got some veteran guys Bates played there for us last year uh David Edwards uh we brought Connor McGovern Ike Buckers back i mean there's just we got some guys that have had some legit play experience you know David Edwards started in the Super Bowl yeah. and, and that was a really good team so uh that's going to be a really good battle in there it was good to see Mitch Morse back out there uh, I thought Spencer Brown, uh, you know, did well today, at, you know, date for day one. We're not in pads. So until we get in pads, some of these guys, it'll, uh, it's to be determined, but a lot of battles, um, you know, some of these receiver roles, we got some new guys that are going to, you know, Shakir is going to have a bigger role. He's not a rookie anymore. Year one with Hardy, you know, and he'll probably have a bigger role in special teams now that Naheem's gone. So figuring that out. And, and so it's, going to be good to have you know we didn't have all these guys on the field at the same time you know in in May and June so now that they're there kind of see how they gel together
1: speaking of that so the slot receiver role is kind of a fascinating thing because of all these pieces you have now you know Sherfield can line up in there Shakir as you mentioned Hardy can line up in there and then you have Kincaid too who's yep. going to be detached a good amount of the time we hear about Running back by committee all the time is could you foresee a, a time or a role with the slot receiver position kind of gravitating towards maybe a committee approach? So Ken Dorsey says, "Well, I like this matchup a whole lot better this week i'm going to use Hardy, yeah. or i'm going to use Sherfield more for a little more size and you know leverage in the red zone or something, And like could you foresee? Yeah, committee position being the slot receiver role.
3: Yep, no doubt. And, and then listen, some of those guys can also play outside, so it could be that they're in the huddle with two guys that primarily play slot, and the defense doesn't know exactly who's lining wh- up where. Wh- you know who's going. You know who's going. where Sherfield can play outside, Shakir. You saw him do it last year as well. Even Hardy uh, can do it. He's a smaller guy, but he's got enough straight line speed to get an out
2: that. Uh, he can be a vertical presence for us, you know, if he lines up outside. So if you get into this training camp and as you watch things develop, uh, obviously there's a lot of question marks. you got guys that you don't know about, new players, who, even though they've got chops in the NFL, they're veteran guys, like like the interior offensive line you're talking about. Yeah. W- what about the draft picks? I mean, this, you know, Dalton Kincaid is a guy everybody wants to see to mm-hmm. play. They want to see more from James Cook, who last year, who, uh, you know, kind of earned his way. Who are some of the young guys that you're thinking, you know, that may be under the radar for all of us? I mean, we talk – Brownie and I talk about these draft picks all the time, so we yeah. kind of know them by heart. But what, what are some of the guys that you think, you know, this guy's got a chance,
3: Yeah. if any? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, – let's start with last year's draft. I mean, you said it. I think James is going to have every opportunity. I thought he really matured in understanding the, you know, pro football last yeah. year. And that's – that's, it's, it's different than college uh, right. There are similar things but it's it 's still this is a pro game it 's different it 's seventeen weeks. The preparation that goes in, and you don 't you don 't have the twenty hour rule of you know how yeah. much the coaches can have them and so I thought James really you know matured a lot uh down the stretch, and I thought the coaches gained confidence as a season So i 'm excited to see him shakir same thing uh because we had other guys. You know, veteran guys. The coaches tend to, you know, they, they tend to go that way. But uh, I thought down the stretch, him and Josh started really forming a rapport, and and that's continued this off season. Uh, so you know, those guys, you know, Benford and Elam are going to be battling it out, you know, over there with Dane. And so uh, those are still two young players. And you know, and then this year's draft, um, obviously Kincaid. There's a lot of excitement about any time there's a pass catcher, whether he's a receiver, or you know, whatever role he is, tight end. But um, you know, Dalton is, is just a pro. Uh, he's hungry to learn. He's got a low ego. He's just, you know, you don't hear him saying he's good or anything like that. He's just coming in here head down, working, and if the ball comes his way, great. He, you know, right. he, he'll make the play. Um, you know, we talked about, you know, you know, Saibo uh, from Florida. Cyrus mm-hmm. Torrance. Yeah, he, he's, you know, he's coming into his own. And, and, again, I'm excited to see him in pads. I haven't got to see him in pads yet. Right. Uh, you're talking about a 330-something-pound young man who's, Got, you know, good foot agility for a guy that size. And so I'm excited to see what that looks like in in pads. Dorian, you know, we're probably – we, you know, messed around with him at Mike. It's a lot. You know, we talked about that when we drafted him, you know, what he was asked to do and the the complexity of the defense at Tulane versus the complexity of an NFL defense. Big jump. Even Terrell Bernard, year two inspector, talking to those guys, like how much – better they feel coming to this camp mm-hmm. than last year drinking out of a fire hose. So Dorian's going to start out more um, over there with, with Milano, kind of on, a, on an outside position. Doesn't mean we wouldn't move him back at some point, but um, we think you don't want those guys thinking too much. Then he's, he's going to lose the speed and athletic ability he's got. And, uh, so we'll see how that goes. He'll obviously be a big, big player on special teams for us um, as well. And then, you know, we'll see what Justin Shorter does. You know he's still developing as a receiver, but you know as a fourth down player for us, you know he needs to show that he can dominate there, and uh, if he wants to earn a jersey, so a lot, a lot, of, lot of young guys that you know have to prove it, but we we'll you know we'll be excited to watch.
1: So that middle linebacker spot, you know you've got the two guys you just mentioned, Spector and Bernard, in the mix there. It looks like AJ Klein is your veteran insurance because yep. you know what he can do. Correct. So,
3: and then Dodson
1: and Tyrell, right? So how do you and I asked Bobby Babbage this back in the spring, and he, he didn't want to pin it down. But knowing that preseasons are shorter than they used to be, yeah. knowing you don't have two-a-day practices to give all three guys or four guys the reps you want, yep. how do you navigate that and decide, A, when to whittle the pool down to three or two, mm-hmm. and then, B, decide on a time where, all right, we've got to make a decision here so we can get that guy that's going to start ready for week one.
3: Yeah. That's a great question. Um, I wish I could tell you you just follow this calendar like you do, like you do when you're training for a marathon. Today right run right. six miles. Yeah. Today run nine miles. Like um, everything. You just, in my experience, you kind of watch it. You let it flow. See what happens. Usually in some form or fashion, at some point, the cream will start rising to the top. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a guy can get nicked up. It sets him back. There's, so we'll just kind of let it unfold, see how it plays out. You're right. You do get to a point, especially after you you know you played at least one or two preseason games, now that you only have three, mm-hmm. um, I think when you've played two, you kind of at that point, that's probably a not that you wait that long, but that's probably getting to be a drop dead point. At a minimum, it's got to be down to two at that point probably just yeah. to give yourself that, that third preseason game. So I think you kind of know sometimes, you know, hey, the battle's still going or you know what, Two weeks from now, we're already going, hey, player X is, is one that's risen one of, to the top. One
2: of the problems with that is that linebacker is the physicality of the yep. thing. So you got – Brownie and I have been talking about this. I think the adjustment these days – because I'm talking as an old guy. You're these old. days, I think the adjustment, <laughs> once they put pads on, is really big, bigger than it's ever been because so much of what you do has to be without pads and you don't get a chance to see it. And as you know, even back in my day and back in the old days – Guys separate themselves because of the physicality, and they're good at it. That's yeah. what their thing is, and you never get to see that. So when you do put pads on here in the next week or so, things really can change, It's like mm-hmm. some guys absolutely disappear. Yeah, and then other guys are like, "Wow, look at that!" And it's a guy that, and, and just flip flops. Yeah. In, in some respects, particularly at a at a position. Yeah, like linebacker, where no doubt. <laughs> You can't shy away from it. No, you know?
3: it's uh, it's. – I've always said this this game's not played in shorts and T-shirt. Flag football is a great teacher for our game, but our game is, is, in, is in pads. And the physicality, yes, the mental reps and all that, you, you get that in May and June and, and the first few days here. But the pads, it, you know, will definitely start to separate. We're looking for guys with athletic ability, but you can be the greatest athlete in the world if you can't fill the hole um, and you, you're constantly – you know, getting run over or the guys getting every ball carrier that's coming through there is getting three and four extra yards every time. Uh, that's not going to work either. You get stuck on blocks. Mm-hmm. Um, all those things that our linemen right now, they can't do. That You know, so these guys are getting free access uh, to go fill holes. And you might mentally know where the hole is, but when the pads come on, if you if you get stuck on blocks or, or you're on your backside, uh, that doesn't help and that doesn't work. So uh, that's exactly the point I was making to the media over there that is very that is not you know we have no idea yet these guys have not been in paths and so until we see that um you know it it is yet to be determined right steve would be the first to tell
1: you that i am the number one flag waver of the coaching staff's player development skills Mm -hmm. um because it is the biggest difference that i see with sean mcdermott staff than any other staff since 2000 here um it's far and away better and we've seen guys make the jump in year three maybe more than any other. It used to be in year two when they used to get more reps two a days, yep. all that stuff. Now it seems to be more year three, you know, whether it's Josh, Taryn, Dawson Knox, there's probably others I'm forgetting. We've got Greg Rousseau and Spencer Brown at two important positions entering year three. How realistic is it do you think that they can make the same kind of jumps that we've seen from other players during your guys regime
3: yeah and i would i would put boogie in there as well i think boogie had uh, a, a really strong off season didn't i don't think he missed one day hmm. uh, of otas and that shows you right there the dedication because you can easily say hey i'm gonna take a long weekend or i'm gonna stay here or there um he went out to xos in uh in arizona hmm. when the season was over on his own on his own dime and worked until our offseason program started didn't miss a day and so um I just wanted to add him in yeah, there as absolutely as well I'm glad as, you did as another third year guy that um, has flashed and you've seen plays in that Miami playoff game last year he's had a you know some games like uh, including I remember you know most specifically that Miami playoff game but uh, him Rousseau you know Greg I felt so bad he just he got that high ankle at the Jets last year and it really uh, he was a different player you know down the stretch than he was he was really the physicality, the first year I thought he needed to improve his physicality, mm-hmm. and that was what we challenged him with, and I thought he embraced it. I thought he took it because, as you guys know, Greg's the nicest guy in the world, like just super mm-hmm. nice, and you've got to be able to flip that switch. And he, and told him, you know, you've got to get some, some a-hole in you, and, and, <laughs> and, and he did it. He did it, and, and so I loved it. And who who else were we talking about? Spencer. And Spencer. Um, same thing. You know, I know Spencer's got his, his critics out there, and, and Spencer's critical of himself, and listen, we've had some – Straight up talks. Hey, uh, this has got to happen. This has got to. be – But he is. He's been here the whole off season. Worked hard. Body looks good. In a good headspace. And he's healthy. He's he's healthy. You know, missing a whole a whole off season again. I'm, i You wouldn't say I'm making excuses. That's fine. Uh, that's that's the reality. You can't make up those reps. You, you have to have reps. I don't care if you're playing golf. I don't care if you're playing basketball. You have to have reps, and especially when you have to go out there and block pre- premium pass rushers like our league has. So
2: like, off the record a little not off the record, but off topic a little
3: bit. Is this bit. off the record? And then, Now this is off the record because this
2: is all off Nobody's the record. Nobody's listening to us talk. So today Justin Herbert signs this, his deal, and, and more and more it's looking like you signed Josh at the right time for the right money, and it's it's not going to cripple you. I mean, I was looking at the rankings – Mahomes is number one on the cap hit this year for NFL for court, for NFL teams. Your guy is thirty ninth. Um, it seems as though it get, you get further and further you get into this contract, the better and better it is. You're finding ways to do that. The cap looks like it's going to go up. It looks like it's going to go up big time this next year, I would think. Um, what are you saying? What are you doing? And what do you think the the future holds for that spot? Because the now they're talking about running backs being set aside as a you know, yeah. they're trying to talk guys into that, and you know, yeah. that that's not going to happen. But yeah, the quarterbacks continue. Joe Burrow's coming up next. He's yeah. gonna he's gonna hit a grand slam. Um, how do you view that these days with the ever changing market? Sign your, your guys under. You got your guys. You know, Josh is tied up, and you got him under contract and all that. So you're kind of buttoned up. Where do you think it's headed, though?
3: Yeah, I mean the numbers. I mean it's crazy. We did Josh two years ago, not even two years ago. Just you know, whatever it was, whatever day it was in August. So mm-hmm. almost two years ago and, you know, 43 million bucks a year at that time was a jaw dropper. Um, but now you're getting well into the fifties. Yeah, so people
2: look at you like, he's like eh. so you're, you
3: I mean, <laughs> that tells me in two years, it's going to be in the sixties, uh, right. you know, is where it's trending. And, uh, you know, we love Josh. And, you know, that's the thing about Josh is, is he, you know, he wanted to do a deal. He wants to win. And, right. Uh, You know, you guys know him well as us. Yes, everyone wants respect and wants to be paid with their peers and things like that, no doubt. Um, Josh wants to bring a Lombardi, and so uh, he worked with us on his deal, and and we wanted to be fair to him. And so, uh, yeah, the numbers are going to continue to rise. Um, And so, you know, we're fortunate that we have Josh under contract, and, and hopefully we can continue to build around that. Hopefully, as you said, I'm crossing my fingers for a big cap increase because we're going to need it again next year, but uh, uh, we'll figure that out as as it comes. The last
1: one I've got for you, um, you referenced this when you spoke to the media back during minicamp when you said Brian Gain reminded me that since May 1st we got 12 new guys on the roster. Can you recall a time in personnel where you can land players the caliber of Puna Ford and Leonard Floyd in June? Like, yeah. to me, I can't – like, those are huge acquisitions that, you know, people are like, ah, oh, one-year deal. I'm just like, we got Puna Ford and Leonard Floyd in June? Like, yeah. what – can you recall a time where the market was so flush with talent that late in the game?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's weird because free agency – free agency's is not always cracked up to be – you know, I find myself sometimes feeling bad for guys that uh, you're hearing their market's going to be X and for whatever reason – uh, they were always the bridesmaid they were It was going to be X if they didn 't get this player. This team was going to be x if they didn 't get this player and they just they keep being the bridesmaid and next thing you know their market drops and and every you know I, again i don 't know specifically you know what these two players were looking for to begin you know to begin free agency but uh, I feel fortunate that we were able to get both those guys here. I think they're going to help, you know, our, our whole D-line, pass rush, um, run game, all, you know, all
2: the above. Both, both of them uh, excel in, in both areas. Well, this, certainly this is a roster that we've been talking about it for months now uh, and weeks. It seems much more deep and better at the top than it has been in the years past. So congratulations for that. They look great on the field, and thanks, thanks for coming and spending time with us.
3: Love being here. Love being with you guys. Uh, hopefully, we can – hopefully, Naheem is our only injury, and we right. can we can stay healthy the rest of the way out. Yeah, we'll keep your seat warm. We'll, You're going to we'll, come in
2: and visit us like twice a week throughout <laughs> the season. Because <right? laughs> you got nothing going nothing on, Nothing going right? on. Nothing going on. Whatever right? you need, Okay, Steve. perfect. Right. Keep that sunscreen handy. <laughs> I appreciate That's
1: you. Bill's general manager, Brandon Bean, joining us here on One Bill's Live. We'll take a break and be back with some of Stefan Diggs' comments with the media earlier today here on One Bill's Live. Presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live here at training camp at St. John Fisher. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker, with you. Good conversation there with uh, Brandon Bean. Maybe the most notable thing to come out of it. And I was going to ask him about it, and he actually answered it before I even had to ask him. Basically, confirming that Dorian Williams, at least for now, is going to focus on the weak side linebacker position and not the mic. So right now, he is not part of the Mike linebacker competition. And I think it's, it's a byproduct of not wanting to overload the kid, right? You know, get him learn a position. This is a defense. That's got a lot of responsibilities within it. Line up behind a veteran in Matt Milano, right? And learn the spot from a vet who can give you pointers and let the guys that have been here for a year, Specter and Bernard work with Klein and Dodson, who's been here. Dodson, it's his fourth year. So let those guys battle it out. At least
2: right now. Now you will say this though. I mean, you're, you're gonna back up a guy like Matt Milano
1: Probably not you're seeing not the seeing field. the field. But I think he is gonna be up on special teams. Yeah, I mean they gotta have
2: a guy there and it'll be interesting to see how else he can contribute. Uh, but you know, somebody's gonna be behind Matt Milano and if you wanna and you know, it's in a backhanded sort of way, it's it's protection for the kid. Yeah. Milano's a sturdy player, plays every down, and he's gonna be able to be up, be practicing, be on the team. Uh, and in an emergency. And he'll probably get some reps at some point during the season, be out there and get in it. Well, without the pressure of, you know, being the guy. Yeah. Week in, week out will be, you know, next year he'll come in here and he'll feel like he'll be ready to, to play. And if they do want to move him then or if they want to work him out during the season at Mike – then they can do that without having the pressure of having to have him ready for it to play Will.
1: Yeah, you can kind of cross-train, yeah, you, can you know, cross-train, maybe during the season as a, as a practice squad, Mike. Exactly. Right? Like, Everything, or a, yeah. not a practice squad, Mike. What I yeah, mean yeah, is look, a scout look, team. A, a scout team. scout team,
2: Mike. So, yeah, it's the perfect place because there's a couple of places like that. You know, if you want if you have a young quarterback, who else to play behind than Josh because he's not coming off the field. Same thing with, you know, guys, some uh, backups a young center. Like, they got a bunch of guys snapping the ball now. It's a great place to be where they can learn the offense. They can hide a guy on the active roster. If he can contribute on special teams or anything else he can do, uh, play at any one of the five spots. This is where Bates started his career, you know. Um, And same thing with with Williams because, you know, he can hide out and stay on the roster, contribute in certain ways, and still be learning and being a part of the team and being an actual player without having to actually – have the team depend on him every week. So it's right. a, it's a way to hide a, a good player behind a player who just never takes a break.
1: Yeah, and for those of those are the fans that come out to training camp and say, hey, how come a guy like A.J. Klein's not getting more time at the middle linebacker position? You heard Brandon Bean say it. They already know what he can do yeah, he's in that role. Lottery. He's a veteran player. McDermott had him as a middle linebacker behind Luke Keekley in Carolina for 4 years. Mm-hmm. He knows what he can do and what he can't do and he's had him here for two different stints as well. Right. He doesn't need the reps. The guys that need the reps are Bernard, Specter and Dodson and I would anticipate those guys are going to get the bulk of the work there through the course of camp uh so they can make an educated decision. You hear personnel men say it all the time, Steve. It let the information help you make the best decision. Well, the information is how are they performing in these reps? How do they have the answers in the classroom when they're going through film, you know? And are they communicating to their teammates in an effective enough way to get everybody lined up right before the snap, or to make a snap a pre-snap check when the other team
2: adjusts prior to and the snap? And it's match. interesting too because there's a guy on the on the roster we kind of haven't even talked about. His name's Traven Howard. Um, he's been around the block. Right.
1: This is his third year in the league. Yeah. hasn't played much because of injuries, but he's with was with the
2: Rams the last couple of years. Right. And I think he, as a rookie, won the they won the, the whole thing. So that's right. Um, it's not like he hasn't been around, and he's not going to come in looking to resurrect a career that was had some promise and has already seen some yeah. accomplishments. He's a weak so, side guy, though. They've got they got some guys, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think that. You know, you're, if you're a coaching staff, that's the decision you make. You you keep a guy like Traven Howard up and active on game day because he's a better linebacker and has a lot more experience, and nothing's going to be too big for him. Um, and how do you handle that with a guy like Dorian Williams, who you'd like to get some reps and some some play, uh, but you know you got to win this week, and you got to make yeah. sure you got the guys to do it. Um, there's only so it'll only go so far. You know, looking out to try and protect the guy to keep him around to make sure, see if you can develop him into something better. We wanted to turn to the comments made by Stefan Diggs
1: today as he met the media after the first training camp practice. Naturally, he was asked about the crux of some of the things that were discussed by him and Josh Allen and head coach Sean McDermott back in the spring. I thought he did a wonderful job in spelling it all out for everybody and kind of confirming that it really was coming from a good place. And while there may have been some difficult conversations, they were all for the greater good of the football team. But I'll turn it over to Stefan Diggs now, who did a very good job of explaining just where he was coming from back in the spring.
4: It feels like it's been ages, long offseason. Um, excited to see the guys. You know how it is. Uh, you get away from football for a little bit, and then you start missing it. You get that itch again just to be out there in the grass and, you know, just running around, talking junk. You know, I would say talking other things, but you get it. PG-13 now. You mentioned the
3: long <laughs> off season. Did it feel yeah. a little bit longer this season with the way that last season ended? Yeah. All kind of the, the drama that was out there in the, in the media and everything. What Did you feel that the, the offseason went a little bit longer than, than typically?
4: No it, <laughs> 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 no, it was short. No, it was the usual distance. Uh, I mean, I feel like I, I enjoyed my time, but it wasn't long at all. It was the same distance it's been since I've been in the league for the past eight years, nine years now, so uh, I was just excited to get back. I feel like football has its, takes its toll on you throughout the year, but once it's done, it's like, damn, I miss it. So, no, I was the same just You were the chance to
0: express, I mean, to, to show some of the frustrations or whether it was leaving the locker room after the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so that seemed to carry some kind of a narrative. I'm just wondering, and let the people, it with some Interesting tweets that you, you sent out, mm-hmm. the cryptic tweets. It led to people <laughs> questioning. Cryptic.
4: It's a great word.
0: Um, it led to people questioning what your thoughts were about your role here, mm-hmm. and then after, and it just fueled up after what happened. Mm-hmm. Can you go into any kind of detail on what your thoughts were during that off season, um, in which you did you showed your frustration, and you know you did have some.
4: Ask me your exact question. (laughs) Because you're kind of going all over the place. I feel like you're trying to not ask a question, but just ask a question, please. Thank you. Yeah. All
0: right. Uh, Thank you.
4: Well, obviously. Well, I mean, you know, Coach had talked, Coach had came up, he said that he misspoke. Like, I don't know if anybody has a family here. Everybody has family issues, everybody has family problems in the house. Like, uh, I was here, I did have a conversation with Coach. You know, and I like to keep things in-house, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, as a player in this, I've been in the league. I'm going on my ninth year right now, you know what I'm saying? I'm in a very – I got more football behind me than I do in front of me. Um, My main focus and my only focus is winning. Super Bowls is – I mean, everybody say they won a Super Bowl, but we've had legitimate chances at this thing. Like, um, we've had the team, we've had the coaches, we've had everything that we needed. And as far as us not getting over the hump, I feel like – it's always asked for a cause for a conversation you know what i'm saying and i always wanted to have a conversation and we have an open door policy coach will tell you he has an open door policy and i've had those conversations so i tr- i try to keep a lot of things in house but you know what i'm saying as regarding last year obviously the way we lost was was just terrible in any regard you know and you don't want to lose any game but we've lost for a couple years at this point and we've been trying to get over the hump and obviously it caused for a lot of frustration but uh, all in all, like as far as with that, I was here. But we, he did have a conversation. Me and him did have a conversation. It's all water under the bridge now. But I could I attribute it to like I mean, family matters. You know what I'm saying like I, I don't like dancing around things. I don't like I don't like those kind of questions. Black and white is everybody has family matters. We had a conversation. Everything is all as well. Uh, water under the bridge now. We back at work. And you know, I I look at football. You know, it's kind of hard. It's a business at the end of the day. But when you go out there and you fight tooth and now you put a lot of sweat equity into this thing it starts to feel like a family so for me um I kind of keep everything in-house, you know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, uh, we had those conversations, everything that needed to be said was said, and we talked it out as men, uh, everybody involved.
0: John, you haven't talked about lingering issues yeah. from last year. Yeah. Where is your headspace at, at on that? Because I don't know if you get
4: too many more, more questions because you're a little – Well,
0: no. Your questions
4: about, aren't but, as. I'm kidding. I'm, no, only kidding. Yeah. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding.
0: Go ahead. No, you talked about lingering issues frustrations yeah. from last year, whether it's your role in the offense or yeah. having more say in the offense. Are you yeah, concerned? that is
4: insane. Like, for me, like, even – Justin. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like for me to just uh, want more say in the offense is crazy because I play receiver. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't care what play is called. You know what I'm saying? I can't get up here and say call this. Like it's a lot of outlandish, uh, obvious things where people were throwing out there or people were saying like, uh, as far as like like my role. Like um, I've been a captain on this team for three years. There's no question about my role and who I, who I am as a player. Uh, how hard I work like those things never had question marks and you can't say the same thing for a lot of people in the league Like as a player who I am and what I am has always been represented and what I do on a consistent basis, how hard I work You can see it and my uh, my teammates speak highly about me in that in that regard Especially considering I've been a captain there since I got here. So uh, as far as, like me wanting to have say-so on the play call Like that's insane to me just cuz like like I couldn't call a play to save my life Like I couldn't call the game to save my life like be for real for you and Josh good yeah yeah that's my guy like that's why i say when it's family matters like me and him have a conversation like i don't know if you got kids or you have like siblings like y'all don't always get along and me and him never did not get along i like, you know am saying that's still been that's still been my guy that's always going to be my guy so uh yeah we're fine uh, Stephon,
5: why did it seem to take until mini camp for those conversations to be had and all this get hashed out you know
4: such that that's so long off season that he was talking about <laughs> earlier so i mean i feel like it's a lot of time and I mean, what do people do with out of time? Out of time gives you a lot of time to think about things and you know, regarding at the end of the game or how things happen with the game, you can kind of like start mustering up like uh, however you feel about it from your point of view or from your standpoint. And that's what it's made for. The off season is made for people to talk and it's not a lot of football going on. So let's talk about things that's going on outside of football or how the season ended or this. So for me, I just feel like uh, you know, it's such a long off season. So. Took a little while. Steph, how does
0: this team <laughs> take the next step? Huh? How does this team take the next step?
4: I just continue to grind. Like, I don't want to give you a vanilla answer, but like at this point, we've been doing everything that we can. We got the right pieces. Uh, you know, I, I feel like right now we're in a great spot. Um, kind of like falling, kind of like to that little underdog in in the creases kind of role. Like people might be counting us out or putting us in a spot where you know saying they might not look at us as good as we might be or could be. Um, but I promise you, this team is, is is damn near working hard. Today was the first day um, to get to where we want to go, and we just gotta keep grinding. You know, obviously we had some bad luck here and there. You know i saying things happen. Good luck for the other side. So hopefully we get some luck too. does it, does add,
5: does it add any pressure stuff. You know, with just going through that, going to the mm-hmm. playoffs. I mean, the first three seasons, having all the
4: pieces put together, not achieving the goal and obviously you guys back down being underdog in so many words. Yeah, it's not not so much pressure. I just feel like like the mindset of it is we always want to win. And kind of like I kind of flip it like so when you see my frustration, it kind of makes sense. Like we've been kind of pushing that a rock for some years now and kind of like not getting that rock over the hill will frustrate you. You know what I'm saying? So I just feel like we want to come in from more of a human standpoint. If you ever had a job and you've been pushing at it for a long time and it, and it's just not turning the corner, you start to draw a lot of questions. Like, how can we do things better? And I, that's when I say, like, I don't have any pressure. I mean, I feel like the pressure comes from everybody else. Like, that's a lot of outside noise. But... The grind is the grind, and we've been putting the time in consistently, you know, throughout my years since I've been here. So, uh, wanting to see things turn a corner, that's where that question draws, and that's where you see me having conversation. That's when I have a conversation XYZ. Like, so I feel like uh, that open door policy kind of like helps us, you know what I'm saying? And that's just how family works. Well, so so at, the mini mini of, at the end level. of the mandatory
0: minicamp, Josh described it as a teamwork yeah. issue. Mm-hmm. And is it fair to characterize it? Is, is that accurate? And, and does it involve your role in the offense and targets and that sort of
4: thing? One more time, sorry. Does teamwork. It
0: involve you? He used the word teamwork yeah. to describe it. I mean, do your, did your frustrations, whatever you talked about involve your role in the offense specifically and the number of
4: targets. No, it's not necessarily because I've been north of 100 targets through, since, my, since my years getting here. If you look at the numbers, I've been north of 100, I think, every year since I've got here. So it's not about targets. It wasn't – when I say teamwork, I guess when he attributed it to teamwork, I guess it would be like as we're out there trying to make things shake, uh, getting on the same page consistently, you know, in those pivotal moments, in those moments where we're trying to, you know, make things happen. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, uh, last year we had like a real feast or famine kind of like time when we spend in a red zone like uh where we weren't clicking on all centers, like we would have an amazing touchdown and then we'll have like a miscue, and I and I take a lot of credit for that um just as far as like I mean what could I do better how much more time could I be putting in so that's why I think we need I mean in my regard he's talking about like teamwork like I could be a lot better for him because I know like I, I always say I can't imagine how hard it is to be the quarterback and he's and to our eyes he's amazing and he's so hard on himself so uh, I just feel like I, I could be better for him and I and I will. What is my
0: confidence
1: level in Ken
4: Dorsey in What is my confidence level? I mean, last year we went 13-3. Like, come on. Now. I was just look at it as, let's make it make sense. Like, if you don't have confidence in Dorsey, I mean, we went 13-3 in the regular season. And that's not easy to do for a first-year OC. He had a little bit of talent, a little bit of talent here at the quarterback position, and some help and some help. But uh, thirteen and three isn't hard, especially coming from uh, the offense that we had previously with Dayball and everything. You know, he had a lot of success with us. So uh, my confidence, my confidence level is high. I just feel like uh, those couple games that we did lose, we we lost by like you know like one or two miscues. You know what I'm saying. So for a first-time OC, and I feel like he does everything that he can to put us in a position to win. Um, and I love him. As far as like uh you seen him you seen him a little bit last year get a get, get a little wild in the in the booth and from that from that standpoint I feel like I love it. I feel like uh, going into the second year, I hope it happens again.
1: All right, so that's Stefan Diggs. He spoke for about twenty minutes. We gave you about fifteen minutes of that conversation and like I said, I thought he was very self effacing and laying everything out as to where he was coming from in some of the things where he felt they as a team could be better. He mentioned red zone specifically. Now, it's not like the team struggled in the red zone. We need to remember this team finished second in scoring. Right. Um, They were also ninth in the league in red zone, so they were a top-10 red zone unit. They scored more than 60% of the time a touchdown in the red zone. That was their touchdown efficiency inside the 20. But I think we can all agree there were times, and we've used this term a lot in reference to last season, that it looked like a heavy lift, and he is determined – to find ways, either himself personally or as an entire offensive unit, to be more consistent, to score more consistently, more points week in and week out, so
2: it isn't yeah. such a struggle at times, and I think, which uh, is it,
1: crazy to say about a number two offense right. in football.
2: And it boils down to you know they they turned it over too much down there, and Josh has said you know himself he's tried to do too much, um, but I think in you know in regards to Steph Diggs and what you know we what we he's been through in this off season, I think. You can tell by listening to him talk the casual nature of his replies and the and the you know, the open nature, genuine nature of the tone of his voice. He's like this, you know this, he's like let's go man this is I, I've had I, we did it we're good we're in a good spot we took, right. we're taking care of business and uh, it's good to hear and see.
1: But at the same time, when you hear a player who, as Steph himself pointed out, is a captain for the last three years, right? He's he's taking on that responsibility personally. Hey, let's be better as a unit. Let's find ways to be better. Yeah. But if you think I want a bigger role in the off in the offensive decisions, <laughs> you're out of your dang mind because I don't know how to call a play, let alone put together a game listen, plan.
2: Yeah. Players can get the players can be a guy who can go to the coach and say, "Hey, listen, we need to run this and this and this." If, and it's a huge if, if they're willing to go in, sit with the coaches during the week, help them game plan, go in there an extra five hours on, on a Tuesday when they're game planning. None of the players are going to do that. It takes time and effort and and intelligence to put together those kind of plans. You don't just pull a play out of the air yeah. and, and plug it in. It doesn't work that way. And he's smart enough to know that. Yeah. So great job, I thought, by Diggs in terms of getting that message
1: across in terms of what he was driving at with his means and and hopefully coming up with solutions to making them a better team when they get to the postseason where even he admitted they haven't had much luck in playing their best on that day so there it is basically Stefan Diggs is agreeing with Steve Tasker that's kind of how I see it we have to take a break here but when we come back we'll uh, cover more of the happenings here on day one of training camp We'll bring that to you next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collada Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you live at training camp at St. John Fisher. It's so good to say. First practice in the books today. Steve, did you have any early takeaways from viewing the first Training camp session, not in pads yet. We want to make that clear. Heavy red zone, which is usually the case early on in camp with Sean McDermott-run training camps. They jump right into the red zone right away.
2: Yeah, and you know, I was looking around, and they got a lot of defensive linemen, a lot of edge rushers. Um, they're the loo- offensive they're line, loaded, it, they're, they are loaded at both sides of the line of scrimmage up front. Both sides. Offensive line, defensive line. Yeah. they got some dudes. Um, I'm really excited about that part of this team. I was, uh, you know, I were talking to, you know, guys, they came by. I I think that's one group I'm really excited to see play this year is the offensive line of the Bills. They got a chance. And I know that it happens once in a while, but they got a chance to be dominant in more than just a handful of games this year. They got a chance to be really, really good. Yep. And that means, that means running the ball or passing the ball. Certainly they've been okay in pass protection in years past, but, I think they can really take a step forward, and uh, I'm excited to see that.
1: I think it was noteworthy that Dalton Kincaid right out of the chute getting work with the first team offense. I think that was important to note, and I think, you know, he's a guy that we're going to see on the field early and often. I think it's very clear that they see him as a potent weapon for the passing game, number one. Number two, I think they want to get him as many reps as possible to get him as ready as possible for regular season football. And so I expect he's going to get a lot of miles on those cleats, you know, in the two-plus weeks they're here at training camp uh, and get him acclimated. And it, there already seems to be an early rapport between him and Josh. I would also say, and, and tell me if you feel differently, I think Trent Sherfield has established a rapport with Josh and I think that happened back in the spring. There were a lot of people that were in the same company as us believing that he got off to a very strong start through the course of the spring. And that rapport with Josh has carried into the first practice here today. Josh looks for Trent Sherfield.
2: Yeah, he's um, there's a lot of these guys getting rips, and certainly we've talked about it, that uh, Diggs, Davis, and Khalil, Shakir are the only three guys left over from last year's That's roster. Right. So Josh, you got to find some new faces to look through on the outside. Um, even if it's just in training camp, getting reps on the outside, there's just you know there's too many reps and not enough guys to take those. So he's going to be throwing the football to all these guys. And Sherfield seems to be a guy who I don't know what it is. You can just tell the guys that are experienced. Um Sherfield's got, you know, he spent some time in Miami's offense last year, carved out a niche for himself. Deontay Hardy, same thing. He's out there running around like he knows what he's doing. Um and then some of the younger guys, the younger wide receivers we saw as well, and you and I were noting, again, Terrell Shavers, Jalen Wayne, uh Brian Thompson. <laughs> big dudes. They're big dudes. Yeah, they're size yeah. on and that squad. I just I just want to know, you know. What's the deal? I mean, why? You know, well, I, I get it. I mean, the big guys are always better than small ones if they're really good. So, uh, but there was no doubt that was a concerted point of emphasis in their off season. And the last thing,
1: and we didn't get a chance to talk with Brandon Bean about these two acquisitions right before camp, but he did address it with the media, and basically in explaining the Jay Sternberger, Sternberger signing, a tight end and the Darrington-Evans signing at the running back position. Evans is obviously a replacement option for Naheem Hines. He does have return experience, does have, does have good speed. I don't, Bean even said it, he doesn't know if he's got Naheem Hines speed, but he's got very good speed. Injuries have kind of compromised the early portion of his career when he was with Tennessee, but he will be an option in camp. Sternberger is a guy they actually liked back in the draft when they traded up to take Dawson Knox. And Sternberger was also a third-round pick in that draft. And what he did uh, in the – am I going to get this right? XFL or USFL? I can't remember where he was. USFL. USFL. Seven touchdowns in eight games. And that caught their eye. And so they're going to bring him in here where I think they are going to – they they realize already that they need depth at the tight end position, I think, based on the roles that the top two tight ends on this roster are going to play, and Kincaid and Knox, respectively – you have Quentin Morris in the fold. You also have the undrafted rookie, Joel Wilson. Now you add Sternberger to that mix. If he can kind of capture some of the playmaking ability that we saw him put on display at the USFL level here in camp,
2: he could find a role for himself yeah. as a reserve behind one of those top two guys. Right, and that's, that's going to shake itself out. And, and as we've said, last year the Bills ran like <laughs> zero Twelve person not zero but almost zero. almost they were the 32nd in the league in 12 personnel if that goes up significantly and I we don't know that it will um but if it does go up significantly they got to have the bodies to run it and they got to have the bodies to run it even if they lose guys to injury and that means more guys on the roster in a practice roster that are going to be available on game day if something happens to Dawson Knox something happens to Kincaid something happens to uh, you know Davidson or Whoever Quentin Morris, those guys got to be. They got to have guys out there, yeah. and uh, yeah. that means these tight the, the tight end room is going to become just a little bit more important than it was a year ago.
1: Right, and they've got a task on their hands. Sternberger and Evans are cramming with their position coaches like nobody's business because the faster they can get up to speed, the better chance they give themselves getting reps on the field to make the impression they want to hopefully carve out a roster spot when they get down to 53. Break time for us here. Hour number two coming your way. Plenty more to discuss here on day one of training camp. A lot going down out on the field. We'll continue to break it down for you when we return. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio.
0: Live, presented by Kaleida Health.
1: Hour number two on day one at training camp, St. John Fisher. The Bills out on the practice field this morning, getting some early work in. They'll be doing the same tomorrow. And we did not mention the fact that a little bit later on in this segment, we are going to bring you the comments of one Josh Allen, who also addressed the media today, covered a lot of ground, was asked about a lot of his new teammates, had some interesting things to say about Trent Sherfield, Deontay Hardy, James Cook. So we'll hear the comments from Josh in just a little bit here. But in Steve and I breaking down some of the other takeaways from practice day one here at camp, one guy that caught our eye because Steve and I talk back and forth as we watch practice, Deontay Hardy. It is very evident to me in the very early going that this is a guy whose speed is going to be used as an asset. We've heard Brandon Bean discuss Hardy's skill set. A lot of people have compared him to Isaiah McKenzie because he is similar in stature. But Bean has been adamant that Hardy's skill set is more wide-ranging than that of Isaiah McKenzie. He just was on with us and talked about how he would feel comfortable even lining him up outside the numbers, even though he's shorter than me. He's five foot five.
2: Yeah, that's been his problem. He is really talented and and is a game-breaker, kind of a game-changer. Long-speed guy, too. Yes, he's really, really good. His problem is, and, and part of it is because of his size, he's more fragile because the weight and the velocity of the players around him is so big in comparison to him, he gets broken. And that's been his his problem. Now, um, he did go to the Pro Bowl as a return man, though. Let's not forget yeah, that. The guy is, is a game wrecker at that size if he can stay on the field. Um, certainly, on day one of camp, you would expect him to be nothing but 100%. And we'll see if that continues. And as long as it does, you can bet you're going to see that guy with the ball in his hands.
1: And, you know, we're obviously not going to be divulging the strategy of the offense or defense here at training camp. But I think it's safe in telling you... They're going to find ways to utilize Hardy's skill set to benefit this offense and out-leverage defenses. Um, And he is a problem. I mean, we saw the defenders grasping at air today on a couple of plays where they called his number. So it's going to be very interesting to see how extensive that role is. And I posed the question to Brandon Bean last hour when he was here with us. You've got Hardy as a slot option, Sherfield as a slot option, Khalil Shakir as a slot option, who Brandon Bean, by the way, said his role is going to increase this year. And you also have Kincaid as a part of that equation, knowing he's right. going to be detached a lot right. off of the formation. And I asked him, do you think the slot receiver role could be a committee position? And he said, yes, he could see that. Because I think that Ken Dorsey learning at the elbow of Brian Dable for the last three years before he became the coordinator himself last season, saw the advantages of game planning from a primary perspective of finding the mismatches. And in a given week, Hardy might be a better answer in the slot than Trent Shurfield. And then in another week, Khalil Shakir might be the better answer. And Brandon Bean gave us indication that this is an offensive staff that is willing to morph and change what that role in the slot looks like week to week, and may plug a different player in, not only in a different game or a different game plan, but maybe from one series to
2: the next. Yeah, and this is all that stuff that you're talking about. There is why Steph Diggs has no business calling plays, and he laughs. He says, "Yeah, I ain't doing it. <laughs> You'd be let... insane, to right. think. Yeah, I... yeah. you got to have. That's got to be your job. You got to have your your mind in on that. And and um, certainly, when you come to training camp, you want to have multiple ways to win on offense and multiple ways to win on defense. You want to be able to run multiple ways with your running game offensively and win multiple ways with your passing game offensively. And it takes a lot of guys and a lot of reps and a lot of experimentation to do that um, because you're going to run into some teams that do some things so well, you don't want to test them. You'll just do what they don't do well. And that's you know that's that's the nature of the NFL in, in this day and age. Um, same thing defensively you got to have enough guys or good enough players and a sound enough scheme, which, you know, the Bills obviously do, given the last three or four years of their existence uh, being a top five defense, it, they're strong even where their defense is vulnerable and they you know, they understand so much about where an offense will attack a defense. They're ready for it. And they've seen it so much. They're ready for it. It's a very veteran group. And, it's the same. It's kind of the same but, but different than the offensive side where you attack and you try and find a mismatch you th- that you can't get and you defensively you're aware of where they're going to get their mismatch uh-huh. and you feel it and you can cover for each other defensively so uh, all that takes a lot of communication and a lot of thought and a lot of experience with the guys you're actually playing with so if you're expecting help it's there if you know your guy's going to be somewhere, and you look at him, he's looking the other direction, and all of a sudden the ball snaps, and he's right where he should be. That kind of thing happens in defense. Uh, so that's where they're at. I mean, uh, you get these guys, and, and particularly that slot spot. Certain guys do some stuff really, really well, and you got to use it. Uh, and I've said it a million times. I was talking. You and I were talking with Mike Shula. Here on the Bills staff, Don Shula's offensive assistant Don Shula's son, and, and his dad Don. I mean, he was no, he was the guy who you know kind of took coaching to another level, because he would only ask his players to do what they did well. He put them in a position in a system that never asked them to do something they didn't do really well. Now, because of that, they became predictable. You look at the Bills; they never changed personnel on the field last year. You know what I mean? They were in that uh-huh. that same nickel package every snap last year, most snaps last year. But they, only, they were doing it because they did it really well. And a team that's doing what it does, you know what I mean, doing what it does best all the time, is hard to beat. And that's a Don Shula-ism to me. Um, now every coaching staff feels like that, and they, and they kind of put their players in that spot. So um, that's, they're going to find a slot receiver, whether it's Hardy, Kincaid, Sherfield or Shakir. Somebody's going to be playing there, and somebody's going to emerge as the guy you hope is in there because we're all going to say, wow, look at him. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I would say other players that flashed at times today, Shane Ray was active on the pass rush today. This is a guy that's trying to resuscitate his NFL career after being out of the league for the better part of four years. Uh, Spent some time up in the CFL and is trying to find it, carve a way back into – The NFL on a 53-man roster had a nice day today getting some pass pressures. And we saw Tyrell Dotson display the exact quality he is going to need to put on display here often if he is going to land the starting middle linebacker role. He's a guy that had a nice pass breakup in coverage, like deep down the field. He's on a 15-yard out all the way on the sideline, ripping a pass away, from Dawson Knox, I yes, want to say I it was, so. uh, during the two-minute drill. They're trying to get a first down. The offense is, and Tyrell Dotson stays with the play all the way through because Knox had it in his hands, and Dotson raked it out as the two players tumbled over the sideline and forced the incompletion. We heard Bobby Babbage say it back in the spring, Steve. This defense at the linebacker position needs matchup linebackers. Translation, guys that can drop into coverage and make plays to defend the pass. Dotson is a guy that needs to do that. I think his his skill set in the run front and stuff in the run is well documented and certified. He has to prove he can cover, and he, he went a long way in doing that today here on day one. He's got to do a lot more of it going forward, but that was a good start for him, I thought.
2: Yeah, and I, I'm surprised we haven't said this yet, but I'll say it now. it's we say it every year, we talk about it for like for a week, the first week of training camp. The defense is always going to look better. Um, early stages and they did today i thought yep um the defense is always going to look better because offense it's it's really exacting it's choreographed it's it's about communication and being really confident of what you're doing all that stuff is up for grabs on the offensive side of the ball and defense it doesn't matter everybody on the whole defense could fall down and if one guy makes a play they win you know what i'm saying so defensively all they do is read react and they can play a little bit higher level a little bit higher intensity and even if they're not as sure about their assignments, they can look better doing them because all they do is read and react and work. And you know, if you work hard, it's a little you're you're better off. So, at this point, I think a little bit of that's showing. The Bills' defense is a little bit ahead of the offense. We saw some guys, and you know there's no pads and they're you know they're calling sacks and stuff like that it's like come on bro and that's what kind of, you're, you get frustrated watching practice because you you even as a casual fan you're going well that, that shouldn't have, you know come on let them play you know that kind of thing it's like you can't even it's hard to get a good look about how good you can be offensively when your offensive line is not allowed to block so and they were throwing some blitzes at him, too, the defense right? Was. So it's, um, you know, and I I, I don't know if, if Sean got asked this today or not, but we'll ask him next time we chance we get, you know. During that two-minute drill for the first time, and you and I watching this thing for a couple of years, four or five years, well, since he got here, he was not – working the clock and being the head official. He was calling defensive plays. Yeah, Coach Smiley was doing that. Matt Smiley, team special teams, sport, teams coach, was running the clock and doing the possession and spotting the And deciding the ball whether and get, there was and, a sack. Right, and deciding whether there was a sack and all that. So um, a little bit different look on this two-minute drill as Sean McDermott on the sidelines on the headphones calling the plays rather than running the thing. We want
1: to turn now to
2: Josh Allen, who addressed the media after signing
1: probably 150 autographs following practice, uh, commented on a number of things. Most notably, some of the new weapons on the offensive side of the ball, including Deontay Hardy and Trent Shurfield, as well as a second-year running back by the name of James Cook. Here is Josh Allen.
5: Yeah, I mean, it feels like it's been a long time since we've been able to actually go against each other and and throw the football around and go full speed. I know OTs are kind of similar, um, but it's, it's not quite this. And obviously having the fans back, here, being at St. John Fisher, I, I love camp. I love hanging with the guys. I love developing that camaraderie and that team chemistry. Um, and I think that's a huge, crucial piece of developing a winning culture and, and sustaining a winning culture here. And I think that the, the organization here does such a, a good job with that.
0: How does that happen here? Um, I asked you because Sean referenced that earlier about maybe taking some time to hang with some guys uh, off the field or whatever. How does that really work? How is it different here than, than say, at the facility?
5: I mean, you're you're breaking bread with different people. Um, you're walking right across the cafeteria and going hanging out in the halls and playing cards, um, you know, playing video games, getting stretched out, you know, getting getting therapy, and everything that we need is right here in this vicinity. So um, it's just you're you're around everybody, you know, at all times, at every waking moment, you're around your teammates, which I, I freaking love. Hey,
0: Josh. Before practice, Sean said you guys had stepped on a spot. I can keep it up.
5: Um, I mean, we don't really pay attention about it. And we don't. We've, we've moved on, um, you know. And we're just out here trying to trying to be the best uh, possible teammates that we can be for the Buffalo Bills, and try to go out there and perform, and continue to get better, and, and get on the same page. So, uh, you know, once games roll around, that we can have the continued success that we've had. Is that an
0: effort to, to do that, or is it is it happening organically,
5: naturally? No, it's it's all organic. Um, we're just out here playing football. Did anything change,
0: Josh, as a result of that? Whatever, you know, he obviously expressed his views on something, role in the offense, whatever it was. What came out of that, I guess, that's measurable? Um,
5: um, just, again, communication piece of it, uh, making sure that we're on the same page and um, have a clear understanding of, you know, what's being called, when it's being called, um, when I'm looking his way. Um, it's, it's just a... Uh, Usual football talk, I guess, and just making sure that we're staying in a constant line of communication. Docs, you, you mentioned Trent Sherfield.
1: I think, when we spoke at minicamp, and how impressed maybe you were at things that he was doing. How about now adding in Deontay, a couple of new guys, what traits do they bring to the offense that can help
5: you? Yeah, I think uh, Trent, again, being the guy that can switch around from Z and X um, and vice versa, Deontay being kind of a, a speed guy that you can throw him in a slot, you can throw him at X for a big play, he can kind of be the gadget guy, obviously, with... Without Naheem now, um, maybe potentially a bigger role for him there. So I'm not sure how things are going to play out, and again, it's it's yet to be seen. But um, using this time right now to to find the best opportunities to get our best players on the football field and, and to see how dangerous guys can be with the ball in their hands. So uh, that's that's up to Dorsey and the staff and, and myself. You know, making sure that we're talking and um, understanding, and uh, you know, we call it KYP, Know Your Personnel. So just understanding how well our personnel fits into our scheme and, and how to best utilize their talents. Josh,
2: in terms of the communication that you're doing, like with the staff and the new wide
3: receivers and that kind of thing, like, is that on the field? Is it in the film room? Like, how do you actually, like, what does that communication
5: look like? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of uh, everything. On the field, obviously, making sure that right after a route, if there was something good, making sure that I'm reaffirming that. If there's something else that I'd like to see or, or vice versa, if he sees something in me, um, these receivers, if they're, they're looking and expecting me to do something, making sure that they're, uh, being available to come up and talk to me. Um, and then obviously in the, in the, film room, um, you know, today wasn't perfect by any means. I thought it was a good start for, for the offense. I missed, I missed a throw and, um, that one to Dawson, that's when I went back, but uh, again, just getting into the film room and talking about things and not everything's going to be great, especially on the first day. Uh, but again, continuing to grow and learn from what we're doing here. Uh, we got we got quite some time now before our, our first game and before, uh, preseason starts rolling around, but uh, we're we're dialing it in right now. Josh, Josh, you were, I, you were
0: confident back when we spoke about digs and that whole thing being resolved, and maybe even being the media making too much out of it. Have you and Steph since then talked things through, or did you feel a need to talk things through since since then?
5: I wouldn't say we've talked things through, but we've talked. You know, it's it's not about that anymore. It's about moving you know, towards the season and setting our goals of what we want to do. We want to bring a, a Lombardi trophy here um, come February. So just making sure, again, that everybody in the team is on the same page, uh, striving to have that, that singular goal, and um, that's that's all it is. How much progress
4: from the spring to this first day, I know it's a short amount of time, have you
5: seen from Dalton? Uh, quite a bit. Um, he's, he's a guy that, again, he, he's very smart. He's instinctive. Uh, he's got a good feel out there, so the the more that he gets comfortable and incorporated into our offense and, and into our scheme, um, you know, the more confident that he's going to have. So uh, he's fun to throw to. I'll tell you that. He, he's got a, a good body language, um, and he made some plays out there today. And we're going to continue to grow on that. And um, you know, it was just a it was just good to be back out there playing football again. I think you have a new answer every year, but you have a singular, fo- not a singular focus, but something maybe specifically football-related that you are focusing on kind of in training camp as we work towards the regular season? Well, I mean, if, it was, if it's one thing, it's just making sure that we're holding on to the football. Um, you know, I, I, I forget the stat of what we were first or second or uh, whatever third drives that ended in in, in points. And uh, when you calculate that and you can now limit some of those turnovers, what, what you can be after that. And again, nothing that we did last year carries over in this year, but um, making sure that I'm being smart with the football. I'm not trying to force things. And, you know, especially down in the red zone, that's kind of why our, our first day was down here, and Coach alluded to that to our team, of making sure that we're finishing in the red zone. So um, maybe those two key, key areas, and uh, just again, being smart with the football. Josh, yeah, I, I see
4: much, most people see you and seeing you with your teammates, and I would think that communication would not have been an issue for you. During this whole process with Steph and whatever worked out, it, did you learn something? From this about things that you yeah, would I mean,
5: do, I, just getting better as a as a leader, um, you know, as a as a person too. So, just again, making sure that uh, being the quarterback of an NFL team, obviously, there's a lot of different roles and, and hats that you have to wear. But um, just making sure that I'm being authentic to myself and um, you know, trusting what I'm seeing, trusting what I'm what I'm saying, and understanding different guys and how to get on the same page with everybody. Looking at look the people that. around you on day one, new running backs, new receivers, new tight ends, just in general, how do you feel that you've got answers, whatever the defense wants to throw at you, you've got you're gonna have it an Yeah, we got it all figured out. We <laughs> um no, it's a learning process. Every day is gonna be a little bit different. And again, there was times where things looked really good today, there's times that things didn't look too good today, so Making sure that we're just learning, and each day we're we're striving to get better. Um, but the guys that we got, I'm very happy with, with the type of men that we have in this locker room. Guys that want to work hard, guys that want to win football games, um, and guys that are selfless, selfless players. So, um, again, it's it's a joy to come into work, you know, and, and to be with my teammates, and uh, everybody's got got one goal in on their mind right now. So
4: how would you critique yourself going in from last year to this year?
5: Um, again just understanding what I what I did last year that um, from the turnover aspect making sure I'm, I'm limiting those and um, being smart but but not conservative. Dorsey talks about that all the time. If there's an opportunity, let's let's take that opportunity and let's let's try to hit it. You know, we're not going to play scared. Um, but at the same time, if there's I saw that. I saw that. I was, he tried to put uh, the USB into the phone. Sorry. It's day 1, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, just You don't miss anything. Do mm Mhm. Um again just trying to be the best teammate, best quarterback that I can be. And uh, there was times in we last year I was trying to force too many things to happen instead of letting the game come to me and um that being said, you know, uh still going out there and being me. What about the chatter
4: of this team not being the big guards in the AFC
5: <laughs> We're 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 just gonna keep working hard. Well
4: right
5: you know, what can he do for this offensive show? Yeah, Gabe he he's uh He's a very big piece to what we got here. Um, you know, he goes in there and he, he he runs the deep routes and he obviously doesn't get a, a huge volume of targets out of the last couple of years, but he still produced some, some really big numbers. And again, trying to maybe get some more easy ones for him and allow him to catch and, and run. Um, but again, he's not he's not afraid to go in there and, and take a safety on or take the edge. Um, you know, for for the running game and you know he's a selfish player that guys look to. And, uh, you know, believe it or not, the way that he works, it's very inspiring. And guys see that, um, and it, it makes guys work harder. Josh, you mentioned earlier when this is an offense built around personnel without this season.
0: How do you guys kind of, you know, feel what you were expecting him to do this year? It sounded like it might have been a bigger role. So how do you pick up for that?
5: Um, yeah, again, uh, it's, it's sad news about him, obviously. We wish he was out there. Um, the fortunate piece of it, we do have time. It's not... It's not the day before a game or anything like that. So just, again, finding what's right for our players and, and how to get them in the best opportunities to help this team win football games. have you seen last James Cook grow from his rookie year until, until, until now? Yeah, he's uh, been in his playbook. Um, I've been really impressed with how hard he's worked, um, especially given that piece. And rookie year, it's always tough coming in. It's a it's a, it's a new league, so different than college. And um, he's handled it the right way, and I think, having, you know, his brother, who he is, um, being able to learn from him and talk through things with him, but um, he's a he's a very focused individual right now, and it's very fun to see. And uh, you know, he's going to have some some major opportunities for our offense this year. Thank you. Guys.
1: All right, that was Josh Allen addressing the media today, and excited about Deontay Hardy and his speed element that he brings to the offense. Also excited about the opportunities that James Cook is going to get. And, you know, this is a guy that's got a chance to be, I guess, for lack of a better term, because I think there are going to be multiple guys rotating through at the running back position as well on this roster. And I think he has the chance to be the closest thing to the feature back in this offense, not only because of his speed that he offers out of the backfield, but because of what he offers as a receiver as well you can split him out wide you can put him outside in the numbers if you want for goodness sakes you get him out in space and he can be very dangerous i'm reminded of the play that he made against the dolphins last year in buffalo where he took the ball on an outside run and basically just blew a landon roberts doors off he just couldn't get there right and he just outran him to the end zone for a 12-yard touchdown run that's just a small sample of what cook i think can bring to the offense this season.
2: Yeah, he's he's got the ability to catch the ball, get open on routes, get separation. Um, you know, in, even when you see him run routes in practice, he has uh, the knack for getting open and making himself available. And um, if all this stuff that Josh has said about, you know, taking the easy, you know, and like you used to say, take that easy button throw. Josh did it a couple of times today. And, you know, it's frustrating when, you know, the team is you know, going through one of those spots where it's a heavy lift offensively, and you go back and watch, and it's like, what? Well, just hit this guy. you know? Just hit the small, open guy. Uh, Josh is so good and so gifted, and he's, he's made those plays so many times. He wants bigger chunks of yardage. Uh, and I think that's also one of the reasons this team has been poor in yards after catch. Josh fits it in, but there's always people there. Ain't nobody running out of that crowd. Yeah. Um, Stick it take, in a tight window. If you take those – the easy button throws, those little dinks, the guy catches it and turns it up the field and turns a five-yard catch into a 15-yard gain. And that's how you get, you know, yards after catch. And the Bills have been poor in that. And I think in large measure, it's been Josh rather than the guys. And if he starts finding James Cook in those situations, that's going to change. And I think to Josh's credit, he admitted, last year
1: I tried to do too much at times and didn't let the game come to me. And it's going to be very interesting to see the balance that he strikes between his own fierce, competitive nature to make plays and lead this team uh, by doing some extraordinary things, which his God given abilities give him the ability to do, while also being mindful of the risk that he is incorporating into some of those playmaking decisions. And how much is too much risk, for example? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes he ran astray of that last year, which is one of the reasons why this team was like top five in the league in red zone turnovers, and yet they were still a top ten red zone offense. Think about that for a second. Right. Top five in red zone turnovers last year and still top ten in red zone touchdown efficiency. Imagine if they just cut those turnovers in half. I mean, we've talked about it a lot, Steve. Second in the league in total turnovers to only the Houston Texans with 27 total In 17 games. So, you know, they want to cut back on that precipitously, and that's part, that's going to be mostly on Josh's shoulders, knowing he's got the ball in his hand on just about every snap of the football. We have to take a break here, but Steve and I will come back, discuss more things that transpired here on day one of training camp. We'll also, if we have some time, take a look around the league. Some teams are throwing some silly money around. And, and we'll tell you who when we come back here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, back here on One Bills Live, Chris Brown, Steve Tasker at training camp at St. John Fisher. Practice one in the books. There'll be another one tomorrow. And we should also let you know that Josh Allen, who you just heard from addressing the media, is going to be here on this very show tomorrow after <gasps> practice. So we're looking forward to that conversation. Try. We um, had,
2: we'll try to not to act like the fancy. We had we were sitting here. Josh was signing autographs. We're right over here. He comes out of the tunnel, and
5: you can see this clip on social. media, You can media, see it,
2: it on, on social. There's a little girl, and it's like it's like she's the like Beatles, 11 or 12. It's like the right, the in 1966. I mean that the, the, she is beside herself. That yeah. Josh Allen's standing and three. He gives yeah. her a hug too, and I thought her head was going to pop. Yeah, I mean it was just amazing. <laughs> so it. Yeah. It's all, that's kind of part of the fun of training camp, you know, you see people who never thought or haven't thought about what it's like to be, you know, stand next to great, you know, stand next to greatness, you know, and be, and and it's like Ugh! and they just yeah. they don't know how to act. They, they lose their minds. the kids and she turns around, she's looking at her, and she's in tears and yeah. she's just, Well,
1: she's I'm, I think she's yelling at her mom, "Hurry,
2: take a picture. I don't care if I look like this." Uh. It's unbelievable. It's so funny. But it's great, you know. I, I, that's uh well, uh, it's, um, the, you know, they're signing autographs. All these guys are signing autographs. It's a great time to get them if you can get them. And, uh, you know, it's part of the fun. So we'll have Josh on, and we'll try not to act like that when he comes on.
1: I thought we we did okay when we had him on last year at training camp.
2: I don't think we embarrassed ourselves, <laughs> did we? I can't remember. No. no, I'm pretty sure we didn't. I don't know. You have to ask him. I, he, let me just say this. He's I don't know if be- I want to put, a, he's put him him up for a review of us. I bar- <laughs> I think he'll barely remember being on last year. Well, yeah, because
1: what has he done? 7,000 interviews since then, a full calendar
2: year later. Um, But,
1: yeah, we look forward to having him here on the show tomorrow, so be sure to tune in for that uh, sometime between 1 and 3 when we are on the airwaves Eastern time. A couple of final loose ends to tie up on practice, Steve. Was there anything else that struck you? I I was really trying to pay attention to the linebackers as they were lining up. Especially yeah. in the two-minute drill because, again, going back to Bobby Babich, Babich's description, the linebacker's coach, of what he needs there, he needs match-up guys, guys that can cover. And in the right. two-minute drill, you know those guys are going to be dropping and covering a lot. Right. And as I mentioned earlier, Tyrell Dotson made the one play on Dawson Knox, raking the ball out to yep. force the incompletion. I'm- Milano's Milano. He's just kind of a given. I don't even spend time watching him all that much. I'm trying to look at some of these other up-and-coming guys that are fighting for a spot.
2: I am convinced that the the situation at middle linebacker is going to be a little bit like we've been talking about this offseason with the running backs. I think that having an elite guy like we had last year with Tremaine Edmonds, I think if you get a guy there that's really good, I don't think the drop-off is going to be that noticeable for fans watching the game. Certainly the team is going to miss Tremaine, and there's going to be some moments where they said, well, he, you know, maybe, maybe. We'll never know those. But I think it's going to be one of those spots where fans are going to say, okay, our defense is still going to be very good. Uh, There's going to be a lot more pressure on Sean McDermott, a lot more scrutiny on Sean McDermott, more so than whoever takes over at middle linebacker. Um, So I think that is going to be a, a spot where people are going to be, as a baseline, they're going to be satisfied. With whoever plays that, because I think the guys they've got in here are going to be able to get at least even the, I think all those guys the baseline is going to be satisfactory play for most Bills fans who watch it, Mm -hmm. and I think that the upper end is wherever you want to put it. I mean those guys are going to be able to play well and they're going to make some plays for this team. So I don't think once the season kicks off, middle linebacker is going to be on the on the, you know we're not we're going to be having conversations about the middle linebacker in training camp and then. They'll cease for the remainder of the season. I don't think it's going to be a topic of conversation.
1: The other position
2: that is going
1: to be battled for is the second corner role opposite Mm -hmm. Tredavious White. Sean McDermott addressed it specifically this morning as one that he is keeping his eye on. And as defensive coordinator, he's probably even casting a more discerning eye there. And we saw, as is typically the case, the most veteran player that's in the mix is usually the first man through. That was the case with Dane Jackson. And then he was followed uh, on that same side by Christian Benford. Um, there were times where um, it was – hold on, let me check my notes here. I just want to make sure I have this right. Uh, second def- – yes, Christian Benford, mm-hmm. while Kair came in to replace Trudavius on the other side. So those two guys are in the mix as well with Dane Jackson for the number two cornerback spot. And so we'll see how that shakes out as camp goes along. Obviously, Christian Benford turned in the big play today, an interception at the goal line during red zone drills off of Josh Allen that he returned all the way the other direction, 100 yards for a touchdown. Um, Big play of the day, really, when you think about it. Because uh, there weren't a ton of highlights a few on of the offensive side of the ball, although the tight ends were featured prominently in the red zone in the passing game. That yeah, was they got good some red see. zone
2: touchdowns and stuff down in those drills, as you might imagine. But the defense also made some plays like the one you just mentioned being the biggest of them all. But this cornerback two spot is is going to be interesting. Um, today we got a chance for the first time really to kind of stand up close and personal with the whole group of corners. Um, don't forget, they, well, they've got Taron Johnson, uh, Kyrie Elam, Tredavious White, Dane Jackson, Christian Benford, and they also have a guy named Cam Dantzler, Cameron Dantzler. They just brought in. Yeah, another o- June signing. Yes, and long, long lean, rev- long lean leverage guy. He's gonna, he's got some length uh, as a corner, and we've seen it, we've talked about it before. This that's one of the traits the Bills kind of like in their corners. His body type seems similar to that of Levi Wallace. Right? Yes. Like
1: long and lean.
2: Yes, with with slight differences, but yes, exactly. That's that's the general, yes, you would say both those guys, you would describe in the same way. Similar
1: body type. I think similar style of play, and, too.
2: They're tall and narrow. And, yes, that's right. Uh, exactly. And that's why I think it's exactly why Dantzler was brought in, a guy that is, it's nothing's going to be too big for him. So if he gets put into a tough spot in camp or even in a game or, or however this f- shakes out – It's not going to be too big for him. Nothing's going to come out of him from left field and say, wow, I don't know. Um, He'll handle all that. So it's just exactly the kind of guy you want hanging around. And because as a pro with that kind of experience, the one thing you do – is is consistency. You're always here. And you see these young players, and, and I'm sure Kyrie Elam and Benford will both do this at times. They'll start to ride that roller coaster, have a couple of bad days, good day, bad day, good day, good day, good day, bad day, but really bad day, great day, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas a guy like Dantzler, Taron Johnson, and Tradavius, they're always, like, right there. And they're always, you know, just at above average, and then they, they spike in a couple. They never have those days where they're, like, you know, off the rails.
1: Tredavious White might be the most fundamentally sound corner I've ever seen. Yeah. He's just That's perfect. what makes him great because he's not a burner. He's not running
2: 4-3. Never did. Listen, Steph Diggs caught a nice out route on him today for first down. It, the throw was perfect. And the coverage and was perfect. Diggs had a spirit with one hand. And Tredavious was in coverage and they, they completed on him. But, man, oh, man, it took an absolutely perfect throw and an Incredible catch just for a quick out.
1: Airtight execution. <laughs> right. On both sides of the ball. Yeah. And you're right. That that's probably the catch of the day, too. Stefan Diggs just spearing that thing with one hand. yeah I so, mean his hand was out of bounds when he caught it. Right. So that was probably the catch of the day. We got a break here. One final segment coming your way. We've got one other position competition to break down for you. What happened at the guard spot? where Ryan Bates is trying to hold off competition. We'll spell that out for you when we return. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. Five, one final segment to go here, and one final position battle to outline for you, at least how it appeared on day one. And at the right guard spot, Steve... As we see, we saw Dane Jackson, the veteran incumbent, kind of line up with the ones today at the mm-hmm. right cornerback spot. And then today we saw the incumbent line up at the right guard spot in Ryan Bates. Right. But he is going to get competition from Osiris Torrance and David Edwards, who is a player that Brandon Bean, when he sat here with us last hour, mentioned specifically a
2: three-year starter on a Super Bowl team with the Rams. They got some guys, man. Yeah. They got some guys. Um, Osiris Torrance behind Bates, uh, David Edwards, Connor McGovern. Uh, they've got a bunch of guys that mm-hmm. can, that have some chops. Um, you've got these other, you know, the other guys that you can think of like, uh, that we, that you may not, may come straight to you. Like Kevin Jarvis is here, uh, a young kid, uh, Mike Butker is the guy I was thinking of. Butker is still hanging around as well, who's coming back from an injury. So uh-huh. they've got a lot of guys who have some experience playing for Cromer and in this offense. We'll see if if it carries them through. But, man, oh, man, did they bring in some depth and some guys to compete.
1: And, you know, we'll see where it goes. I think Steve and I have both been of the opinion that when you add a Connor McGovern, you add a David Edwards, and you add an Osiris Torrance – all of whom are over 315 pounds and over six foot four. it is a clear indication that you are shifting your philosophical approach to what you're going to look like from guard That's to right. guard, which is going to naturally impact how you run the football between the tackles.
2: And if you can get those guys down inside that are big physical guys, because let's face it, on the other side of the ball, you've got the biggest human beings in the league playing defensive tackle, uh-huh. uh, you got to have bodies that can push and root those guys out of there. The Bills are going to be, it seems to me, on the surface, they're going to be much more able to do that this year with the young bodies they've got and the bigger bodies they've got inside. Um, Mitch Morse is going to feel it, I think, on a, on a Monday when he gets up and says, wow, that was it's pretty nice playing behind between two, three that wasn't as bad as
1: I remember last
2: year. Yeah, 337-pound guys coming in with fresh legs. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, and incidentally,
1: Morris coming off that elbow scope procedure last year looked good today, so he's full go as well. That's day one of training camp. Steve and I will come back and do day two with you tomorrow where we'll have Josh Allen on the show. We'll see you at one.